When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nostalgia is a key component to the holiday season. It's a time for us to go back to our childhoods to relive activities and traditions from when we were kids and things were happier, we felt safer, and times were simpler. Or at least they felt that way. For millions of Americans, those traditions include annual viewings of holiday TV specials, not Christmas films or films that have become associated with Christmas. We'll be talking about those in an upcoming debate. But we're talking about the holiday program being made specifically for television. There have been dozens of holiday specials over the years, with entries from the 1950s remaining just as popular 70 years later, and newer entries finding their way onto the Christmas canon. So for this episode of The Great Pop Culture Debate, our panelists are here to discuss what is the best holiday TV special ever. I'm still waiting for the United States Postal Service to deliver my Grace Jones in a crate. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. Please welcome my holly jolly panel. He ordered a pump to make his heart grow three sizes. It's Bob Erlenbach. Oh, that wasn't my heart that grew. Oh, okay. Uh, he has a summer home on the Isle of Misfit Sex Toys. It's Derek Makita. Hey, it was still more affordable than P-Town. Oh, amen, sister. And if you sit on his lap today, a kiss a toy is the price you'll pay. It's Michael Barber. It's true, but only if you've been a very naughty boy this year. And I have. So thank you very much. Our minisodes work a little bit differently than our regular episodes. There's only one part, and we don't have any public poll. Our panelists make their personal picks on a specific topic. We mix them all together, create a 16-seed bracket, and then we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. Want to follow along at home? You can find the bracket for this episode, as well as all our debates, in the polls and brackets section of greatpopculturedebate.com. If you'd actually like to see the specials we're talking about here, we've created a YouTube playlist of the entries that are available for free consumption, and we've made a list of the streaming services where you can view the others. Again, check all that out at greatpopculturedebate.com. Before we get to the debate, I would like to take the panelists quickly to cover the picks that they made and didn't make the bracket. For me, I have two. Uh, I have distinct memories as a kid of watching 1977's Emma Otter's Jug Band Christmas on TV, and I suspect many of my fellow 80s kids do as well. It's not one I haven't watched or excuse me, it is one I have not watched in quite a while, so I didn't push it for the rest of the group. But on the flip side, the 2018 RuPaul Hollisley Spectacular is very divisive within the Drag Race fandom. Um, there's a crowning twist that pissed people off. The RuPaul and Michelle lip sync was ridiculous. And then you also had the fact that it's basically an hour-long infomercial for Ru's latest holiday CD. But I find it charming. It brings back 10 amazing queens who were put into the back of the public spectacle and it made people fall in love with Sonique all over again. And uh, Jasmine Masters literally covered her face in tool to obscure the fact that she couldn't be bothered to learn the words to RuPaul's terrible holiday song. For that reason, I think it needs to be discussed. I think it needs to be re-embraced by the fandom, and I'm here for it. Uh, Bob, you nominated the Schitt's Creek holiday special as well as the Doctor Who Christmas Carol. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, well, I I thought, you know, Schitt's Creek, I threw that on the list because it's uh, only a couple years old, so I thought it was nice to throw something a little bit more recent on there. It's really, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good episode of the show. It, 
you know, I, I think I kind of threw it on there knowing it might be a little bit of a throwaway. It really only culminates in one really good joke at the end about the hotel potentially burning down and, and Moira making a comment as though that wouldn't be so bad. Um, so, but, you know, I, I thought it was kind of funny, um, but really just for that one little payoff. I, I can that's shit's why. creek to me I like, <laughs> like watching seven seasons for one joke is the mm. way i feel about that show but i know i'm in the minority there yeah and uh doctor who you know i i put that one on there too because that was one of the better holiday specials in my opinion um the the it was really the, the christmas carol it had um it had dumbledore in it as the main character um michael gambon and then uh you know i just think it was one of the better one of the better ones it was a lot of fun um and it really, I, I don't really have much else to say about that. I didn't prepare, I didn't prepare an argument for that today. Well, that's <laughs> okay. I, I sprung that on them last minute. Which doctor was it? Do you remember? It was Matt Smith, of course. Matt Smith, of course. The best mm-hmm. one. And I think, was it the New Year's or Christmas special where Smith takes his final bow that was like the big 50th anniversary special? Uh, yeah. So that was not that episode. But yes, it was one of the Christmas specials a few, a few specials later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was incredible to me. That special was amazing. But thank you. Because I, I used to be a huge Whovie and I've fallen off of it. But those Christmas specials were usually pretty good. I would uh, also like to say that one of the things I didn't throw on my list, may they rest in peace, are the Victoria's Secret fashion shows. <gasps> oh, <laughs> oh, absolutely. In fact, I was thinking about it just the other day. Uh, the Drag Race Netherlands finale just aired and Janie Jack Hay came on wearing a Victoria's Secret angel outfit with the wings. I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to have my Vicky S fashion show this year. <laughs> what does Christmas even mean anymore? More. Like, <laughs> thanks me too movement no i'm kidding <laughs> in reality we're very much pro me too movement and it had to go but i will miss the angels and the incredible music that was always included in those fashion shows uh derek your lone pick to not make the bracket was jim henson's the christmas toy tell me about that i've literally never heard of it yes so it was a, another made for tv um movie and i can't remember whether it was ABC or NBC, but it was a Jim Henson Christmas special. It was presented by Kraft, which they um, literally hit you over the head with every single commercial break. Um, But it had some good original Muppet characters in it that were not, I think they might've been seen occasionally after, but um, a a lot of them were very specific to this particular story. And it it basically tells a story of, um, you know, this one toy named Rugby, who is um, the child's favorite, and he doesn't realize that um, he's only been the child's favorite for a year, and that soon Christmas will come, and there will be a new favorite. And he is determined to get under that Christmas tree at all costs so that he can be the Christmas toy once again. And it's a just it's just an adorable, adorable movie, and I highly recommend it. Um, interesting it sounds like it's i feel like i feel like every like special in the 80s was either hosted by Kraft or clorox 100 100 it was like you know the wholesome reagan era like everyone be at home and cook for each other um moments but um apart from this one i did just want to do a quick shout out to um the bbc because there aren't a ton of um and actually I'm, i'm just looking at these brackets i don't think there are any now that i'm looking at them um British movies or British TV shows who have Christmas specials on our brackets. And, you know, maybe that's has to do with, you know, just general distribution, but Mm. um, the British are really devoted to having Christmas specials on literally every single TV show that will have one. Sure. Um, So yeah. Shout out to the Brits. 
Shout out to the Brits. They know how to do it right. They have Christmas crackers, and I'm not talking about my family. <laughs> All right. Michael, your last two picks were 1979's Jack Frost and 1987's A Garfield Christmas. What did you like about those? Uh I mean, they were all right. I'm not so mad that they <laughs> they didn't make the bracket. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jack Frost kind of belonged to that group of sort of like the claymation Christmas classics that just are very near and dear to me. There's a couple of them that did make the bracket here that I'm more interested in anyways. Um, Garfield, I was just a Garfield kid growing up. So like everything Garfield I was on board with. So obviously the Christmas special was something near and dear to me. Absolutely. And if you're like a kid or someone now who's in their 20s or something, you probably don't understand how important Garfield was to 80s kids. But like those treasuries, I took them out of the library constantly. Um, It was very much a thing. So I can vouch for for that. He can vouch for that. He can. Uh, Michael, exactly. Bloom County, I love. Actually, Bloom County deserves a comeback too. Um, Michael, you also wanted to briefly touch on two of your picks that are on the bracket but get unanimously booted in round one. So why don't you talk about those? I, I did want some time for this, Eric, because I, I voted against myself. Um, but there's a reason <laughs> for that. So one was uh, uh, Mr. Magoo Christmas. And this was, you know, one of those movies I had probably not seen for 30 years until I rewatched it again this week. And I think, um, like, nostalgia had made me remember it as something much better <laughs> than it actually is. Because upon rewatch, it's actually, like, pretty grim. You know, it's the it's the Dickens Christmas Carol, but it's it's just pretty bleak and and not really like my jam for a a Christmas, a Christmas special. So I'm sorry for taking up room on on the bracket when I'm sure there's other more deserving things on here. Um, The one I did want to spend a minute talking about, uh, which is a very special movie is Babes in Toyland. And this is uh, the 1986 version. I guess there's a couple different versions. Um, And this is a very special movie. It has a star studded cast, um, all playing mother goose characters in a dream that main character Drew Barrymore is having after she falls out of a Jeep on a sled and runs into a tree, which, you know, happens to the best of us. It happens. It happens. <laughs> so you've got Keanu Reeves in this movie way, way before he was ever cool. Tween Drew Barrymore, of course, before she could act. Um, you've got Eileen Brennan mm. in probably like, mm. you know, one of the defining roles of her career mm. as that Mother Goose yeah. character with a ton of kids. I don't remember which character, but Mother Hubbard. Um, or the old yes. woman who lives in a shoe. Sure. Both. Sure. She was old Mother Hubbard and she was living in the shoe. I know because I just watched it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> we do research on this podcast. Exactly. In addition, you've got that one guy from um, Empty Nest playing the villain. I'm Richard sorry, I'm terrible Morgan. with names. Thank oh you. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Harry, yeah. Again, oh. I watched it this morning. That man is committed to the role. <laughs> that scenery as if it is can- cotton candy. <laughs> and then, last but not least, you've got Mr. Minyagi from Karate Kid as the <gasps> toy master. As the toy master. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> Incredible. So, yeah, obviously, like, you know, really convincing reasons why this is one of the greatest holiday specials. That said, it's just like an absolute turd of a movie, like, like <laughs> hot Christmas garbage. It, it, but it's one of those movies that's like so garbage, it's good, you know, like oh me my and my God. brothers watched it on VHS every year, like often more than once. And, and one of the reasons it was like extra special is because it was the Christmas special that most of all, more than anything, my mother absolutely hated um, and she's like the loveliest person and doesn't have very much hate in her heart but she had hate for the babes in toy 
So, of course, it's, we just loved it even more. Um, and it was also special because the way we came to own this movie back in the 80s was because they were selling it with Happy Meals at McDonald's one year. So <laughs> I always just associated it with uh, delicious fast food. Um, Good callback to a previous podcast episode. Exactly. Check out the fast food episode of this podcast in which Michael tells the riveting story about the time that his man kill, his father killed a man coming out of the drive. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. We can't prove anything. But I do want to piggyback off of something that Michael just said, which is that many of these are the ones that we're going to be discussing are objectively terrible as an adult, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but for reasons that I'm sure psychologists can explain, it doesn't (laughs) matter because when we were kids, they imprinted on us so heavily and Mm -hmm. I watch them every year. I literally will watch them every year. Now, Rudolph is not terrible. Rudolph, we will get to, but there are other ones that I know aren't good, but Every year I will watch it. And if it's it's not Christmas unless I do. So as you're going through this list and saying that is garbage and there's one matchup right out of the gate that it's literally two trash things op- opposite one another. Um, yes, it's garbage, but it's still it's so terrible. It's amazing, especially when you were a kid. So um, with that out of the way, let's cover the seasonal 16 picks that received unanimous support in round one. Uh, the animated 1969 Frosty the Snowman special used the magic in his hat to make Mr. McGoo. Christmas Carol disappear. Uh, the original 1966 How the Grinch Stole Christmas cartoon was a mean one indeed to the 1986 made for TV Babes in Toyland. And 1964's Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer lit the way for 2017's Olaf's Frozen Adventures premature exit. Now let's don our gay apparel. Oh, just kidding. We've already got that covered. As we jump into the debates, we were evenly split over two arguably terrible throwbacks, 1978's The Star Wars Holiday Special and 1986's Dolly Parton's A Smoky Mountain Christmas. Derek, I beg you to pardon Dolly while I will celebrate Life Day and the iconic mess that is the Star Wars special. Derek, go ahead. Okay. So, admittedly, both of the um, specials in this bracket are are ones that a lot of people are not aware of mostly be- well one mostly because George Lucas has tried to as as best he can to bury it from history um the other one is just a, a delightful romp that was made for TV and and really was not seen very much after that so i will talk about Dolly Parton's Smoky Mountain Christmas it is basically a country christmas adaptation of Snow White um it was from 1986 it was made for TV by uh, ABC and it stars Get ready for this. Dolly Parton, Lee Majors, Dan Hedaya, Rene Aubergenois, and it was directed by Henry Winkler. So already you're getting some some class A talent in this in this cr- particular uh, Christmas movie. Now, class C, but sure. We'll go. <laughs> Don't you talk about my Dolly that way. <laughs> oh, right. Dolly is an exception. Mm-hmm, Dolly's mm-hmm. a class like triple A mm-hmm. oh, or double D as the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um also, Lee Majors is giving off serious daddy vibes in this movie. So, I mean, that that's extra bonus points for him in this. Um, it's got great Dolly Parton original music um, that you will not find um, in other properties. It was specifically made for this movie. And it's got things like a Christmas witch named Jezebel. Mm. It's got a police <laughs> chase. It's got a jail bust. It's got little orphan urchin children. It's got a Smoky Mountain setting. And Dolly is basically a Christmas angel. Um, so... For for me, this is a heartwarming precursor to what eventually became the Hallmark films and a nostalgic pick for Dolly fans looking for annual viewing. Um, and that's what it was in my household. And I will say it is, as a movie, bad enough that most of the people in my household would not watch it with me. But as a child, I made it annual viewing for me personally. So that's why this gets a strong pick for me. 
And it's very interesting because both of these actually have relevance in 2020 because Dolly has her Christmas album coming out this year. Mm -hmm. In case you did not know, we have a new Dolly Christmas album and there's a Lego Star Wars holiday special coming out this year. (laughs) So it's like everything old is new again. Mm -hmm. Um, I I will clarify. uh, He was like, don't talk about my Dolly. Anyone who knows me knows how much I deeply, deeply love Dolly Parton, (laughs) unironically. So it pains me to argue against her here. Um, But I have to because it's the fucking Star Wars holiday Mm. special. So let me explain to you, if you've only heard tell of the special, why you should care about it. It is 90 minutes long, but somehow feels like four hours. That is not a (laughs) compliment. You have... Um, Carrie Fisher coked out of her mind mm-hmm. the whole time, which is uh, fantastic to watch. Boba Fett actually makes his first canonical appearance in this special. Mm-hmm. This is before he was ever in, in uh, Empire because it happened right after the original Star Wars came out and they made everybody sign on for this, not knowing what it was going to be. Um, you have Diane Carroll singing while there's this intense, sexy dancing happening. You have the Chewbacca fully terrifying father creeping on people. Um, you have, to me, what is the piece resistance? B. Arthur seducing a Tuscan raider in a boozy cabaret number. Like it is the fact that this exists is insane. Mm-hmm. And as Derek previously mentioned, George Lucas did everything in his power to bury this. It is so bad that like it was like almost an urban legend for years. You could not find it. But thank God for the internet and for YouTube because you can easily access it now. There's multiple copies on YouTube. And so I think that it is so bad that the best reason to watch it is so that you can and then George Lucas will see the viewings and go, no! <laughs> so that's my argument for the Star Wars holiday special with that said i'm gonna throw it to the votes bob where are you coming down here so i had initially voted for the star wars holiday special um i had never seen dolly parton's a smoky mountain christmas before they're both terrible um yeah but i think i want to switch over to dolly to be honest with you um yeah it's 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 well first of all let me say about star wars even even recently, they've started to legitimize that Star Wars special a little bit because in The Mandalorian, they actually make reference to Life Day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. that's, so that's one thing for that. But I think Dolly Parton, Smoky Mountain Christmas is where I'm going because I, I just really love that Jezebel. She's giving me Lady Melisandre <laughs> vibes. Or yes. even that, that kind of Tracy yes. Goggins from Dante's Cove. Like, totally, <laughs> totally that. <laughs> Scoggins. Um, So I'm actually switching. And I don't know if anyone else knows this on the pod or not, but Paula Abdul was the choreographer. (gasps) Like that opening sequence at the beginning for her music video. Fuck. That's amazing. (laughs) God, this keeps getting better. All right, Michael, where are you coming down? Okay, so I'm gonna be honest, like I have not watched either of these all the way through. And I, I, you know, was gonna try this week and I probably made it through four to five minutes of <laughs> both of them. And the, those four to five minutes did feel like four hours for mm-hmm. both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both truly terribly bad. Um, but I, I had originally voted for Dolly and I, I'm going to have to switch to after. No! No! And, and, and I think it was the B Arthur that sold me. And, and the fact that I think the star Wars holiday special is just in general, kind of better well-known out there for like the freak show that it is. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a switch, and that's the thing is that I think that it is more of a legend than mm, yeah. the Dolly one. 
And for that reason, mm. so we are split. And the way that it works with minisodes is ties are, div- are it's a round robin tiebreaker. I get the first one. So I'm sorry, I'm moving to the Star Wars holiday special on, of folks. Course you are. And you can get it out in season in, in round two. I have no interest in this going any farther than that. Let me be very clear <laughs> to everybody listening. This is not going to be an LFO Summer Girls moment. We're going to make it past the next round. So it really no. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Moving on, we were evenly split again between 19. 19- 65's A Charlie Brown Christmas and 1974's Twas the Night Before Christmas. Bob, I'm going to need you to stir more than mice in support of Night Before while Michael needs to bust out some of those incredible white people dance moves to celebrate Charlie Brown. Yes. So, uh, Michael, I, you go first. Sure. So, if you haven't seen this movie, really shame, shame, shame on shame. you because I think it's got to be like one of the most iconic Christmas specials out there. It's definitely got like a different vibe, I think, than a lot of the more um, bubblegum specials we're looking at, especially with like animated movies here. Um, it's kind of like an Eeyore of a show, which I think is pretty consistent with with Peanuts comics humor and kind of what I love about it. Um, so like Charlie Brown is like depressed most of the show because he can't figure out like the meaning of Christmas. He mopes around from friend to friend, good griefing all over the place like he always does. Um <laughs> And, you know, eventually learns the meaning of Christmas at the end and rescues that iconic, sad little Charlie Brown Christmas tree that everybody knows. Um, And I know maybe like some people don't want a downer movie special for Christmas, but like for me, Charlie Brown gets a pass because it it comes across as more relatable. I think a lot of people get down around the holidays and hate the like commercialism, um, consumerism. So this is the holiday special for you. also, I think like even today, it's been what fifty five years uh, since this special came out. Um, so even now, if you say that a tree looks like a Charlie Brown tree, everyone knows what you're talking about. Um, I, I just looked today actually, and you can still buy your very own sad little Charlie Brown tree with uh, that one big sagging red ball <laughs> on Amazon. Um, Please don't talk about my personal health. <laughs> I threw that in there just for you, Eric. Um, <laughs> Although, um, you know, buying one of those would kind of go against the anti-consumerism message of the show. But, you know, whatever. Um, It's Christmas. (laughs) It's Christmas. So, yeah, like Charlie Brown Christmas, all in all, definitely, I would say, one of the classics. And I think, yeah, an annual tradition for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, Bob, why don't you talk about Twas the Night Before Christmas? Yeah, so I'm obviously going to be outnumbered on this, but I'll I'll do my best. You know, I think I'm I'm happy that I was able to represent this. This is is an animated... um, animated feature or not feature um short um film or whatever however you want to refer to it but um rankin and bass who also did the the stop motion a lot of those stop motion um holiday specials as well i think like rudolph and things like that but this one was actually drawn animation um you know i really loved it as a kid i it was one of the ones that as we talked about earlier imprinted on me i never really got into charlie brown all that much i found those those shows those episodes kind of slow and boring for me this one had a lot um twas the night before christmas had a lot more for me with regards to had some great songs in it um had a great cast joel gray was was the narrator um slash the father in it um you know i think that it's a it's a story that leads up to what happens the night before christmas and and the there's a there's a little bit of a a nervousness that Santa might not come because this mouse in the house um, wrote a letter to him and told him that he doesn't believe in him. So Santa wasn't going to come to town. So yes, very scandalous, but you know, it just, to me, it was, it was one of those ones for me that I just 
as a kid, I, I remember fondly. Um, and I just didn't really care for Charlie Brown all that much. So that's really kind of where I was with that one. So I'm going to be outnumbered, but. It's okay. And I do think it is a good point that Charlie Brown really is kind of a downer of, of a, it's a very quiet kind of slow special, but to me, it is definitely right up there with icon status. And it's funny, you mentioned the music in Twas the Night Before Christmas, but I think the Charlie Brown Christmas special, like today, those songs are still played as standards. Mm-hmm. Like it's incredibly popular. A lot, um, of the Charlie, a lot of the Charlie Brown songs are mostly instrumental. I know it's, there's yes. the one, right? The Christmas time is here, that song or whatever. Right. You know, the Twas the Night Before Christmas has songs that you can sing. They're upbeat, they're peppy, they're fun, they're fun to, to sing along to. So that that's a little bit more for me when I'm watching something. I, I enjoy that a little bit more than just. I mean, I think the instrumental music in Charlie Brown is is fantastic. Like it's obviously standards and things. You know that just the Peanuts song isn't quote unquote a Christmas song, but they play the just the Peanuts theme song in general at Christmas time because everyone associates the Charlie Brown Christmas with with Christmas. So right. I can see why it's going to move ahead and and why Twas the Night Before Christmas would not move ahead. Um, I'm just glad that I was able to to speak on it. If people were unable to see this or have never seen it before, I would encourage you to do so because it's it's a lot of fun. It's really cute and it's a little bit different from just really everything else on this list. Um, that kind of gives you a little bit of a different kind of story to tell at Christmas time. Yeah, and I think it's on YouTube. I'm pretty sure I saw it there when I was looking <clears> for <throat> research. Um, Derek, where are you coming down here? Oh, definitely Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, as a child, it was my introduction to Charlie Brown. Like even before I had seen any of the comic strips in in newspapers, it was. This was how I got introduced to these characters, and I think that the the feeling of this particular Christmas special is very evocative of the feeling you get when you're actually reading the comic strips themselves. Like it's not. It's not super upbeat. Like, yes, you get that, you know, the full on Charlie Brown downer of it, but it is like you, you put it best, Eric. This is iconic Christmas special to me. Iconic is our favorite word on this podcast. <laughs> so uh, I'm also voting for Charlie Brown, and that means it will be advancing to round two. Uh, speaking of something different, as uh, Bob was just saying about his pick, I was the lone holdout in favor of 1987's Will Vinton's Claymation Christmas, while three quarters of the group preferred 1983's Mickey's Christmas Carol. I will unbox my California raisins, while Derek will get Mickey with it. Derek, why don't you go first? So... Mickey's Christmas Carol was made in 1983, and it is Disney animation in its most classic form in it, in that it uses classic Disney cartoon characters to tell the story that is usually just a very depressing Victorian tale from Charles Dickens. Um, and I think for a lot of late Gen Xers and early millennials, it's what made this classic tale accessible and not overly frightening. And I know that for me, it was my introduction to the story of A Christmas Carol and probably the reason why... I actually still enjoy the story. Like it just, it has a slight nostalgia factor because it is the classic Disney characters. So it has Scrooge McDuck as Scrooge, obviously Mickey Mouse as Bob Cratchit, Goofy as Jacob Marley's ghost. Um, It's got a a slew of Disney supporting characters like Jiminy Cricket and Donald and Daisy Duck and Mr. Toad as Fezziwig and Chip and Dale and Huey, Dewey and Louie. And I just, um, it, it just gives you like that Disney wholesomeness in what is normally a very, um, it could be a very frightening and, and maybe slightly adult story to be telling to children. Um, I will also point out that this particular Christmas special was nominated for an Oscar in 1983 hmm. as Best Animated Short. Oh, wow. Um, I can't say whether it won or not because I did not go that deep into my research. However, how many Christmas specials on all of these brackets can say that they were nominated for an Oscar? 
I'm pretty sure RuPaul's Hollisley spectacular <laughs> was. Um, it's a good argument. So um, I will confess that I actually have never seen Mickey's Christmas uh, Carol, and I don't know how I missed it. I honestly don't. Like it's one of those things that I should have 100% have caught it between when I was when this came out when I was what five and yeah. now um, somehow have missed it. And I was intending to watch it before leading up to this, but uh, this week was the election, so my TV was perennially stuck to MSNBC. So <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm going to speak on Will Vinton, which I also had not seen, um, but I did my research on this particular part, and I was really smitten with it. I think it is something hugely different for anything else on this bracket. I think it's this amazing time capsule where like the music and the art style and everything about this feels distinctly 80s, whereas almost every other special on this list has a timeless quality about it, which is to its to their to their uh, credit, I think. But I love the fact that I watched this and was like, yep, this is like 1987. That's exactly what this is. Um, it's great for kids because there's really no narrative. There's very little talking, lots of music, lots of colors. It's very quickly paced. It is claymation. This is an art style that like, I can't think of the last fully claymation thing I've seen. Uh, I guess Wallace and Gromit. Anybody else have anything more re- contemporary than that? Mm, I don't think so. Not not in this style. Not like this is like Gumby style animation. Yeah. 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 And um, it's so charming. And there's some really great bits in this. The Three Kings and the, the Camels, the mm-hmm. Ice Skating Walrus, the California Raisins are there singing Rudolph. And then, of course, to me, the, the really best part of it is the Carol of the Bells segment, which is really funny and clever and very well done. The whole thing's super effective. I totally get why Mickey's Christmas Carol is going to advance here, but I did want to speak on it. So is everybody else sticking with Mickey? Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was okay. hard for me because these were the two the two things on the list. Like, these were my top two. And, like, I had to pick between them in the first round, but I had to go with Mickey. Yeah, yeah. and I don't blame you. I think what did it for me is that I remember one of my favorite things uh, to do when I was watching this as a kid was, like, yelling out whichever character came from whichever other <laughs> Disney movie. Like like Derek was saying, they're, like, these ran- rando characters from Robin Hood. And I'm sure I irritated my parents to no end, like, yelling out these <laughs> character names. But I was honestly doing it today again when I watched it. And also your parents were probably drunk. So <laughs> it, it, it uh, did not win the Oscar. Oh, oh it's a, well, it should, it have. should have. Yes. Well, it's advancing uh, today. <laughs> exactly. So ultimately, who's laughing now? Um, another even split between 1985's He-Man and She-Ra, a Christmas special. In 1970's Santa Claus is coming to town. Bob summoned the power of Grayskull and bring the victory to Eternia and Etheria. <laughs> While Michael, you have leave to both pout and cry in an effort to sway votes to Santa Claus is coming to town. Michael, why don't you go first? Yeah. So I, like I said earlier, there's several of these like, claymation Christmas specials out of like the 60s 70s era that to me are just like magical and this is one of them um so it's it tells the story of how Santa became Santa and um I'm pretty sure the way the show describes it is like now accepted as as pretty much Christmas canon now when it comes to uh, like Santa Claus lore and and really Christmas lore in general like, uh, for instance, did you know that the reason we hang stockings by the fire is because long ago, the government banned toys at Christmas time, and there was like an inquisition on toys, like home raids and everything. So Santa got the word out to the ki- that the kids should hang their stockings by the fire to dry. So he had a sneaky place to hide toys when he delivered. So yeah, that's what's in this movie. It has everything I want in a holiday special. It's animated. It's absolutely friggin' adorable there's like a cute little lost baby penguin sidekick there's magic spells there's 
just the right amount of like suspense and that secret inside information on on why Santa has a beard and uh, about like Mrs. Claus's early career as a school teacher. <laughs> um, and, and then most importantly for me, it has like really awesome original songs that are so so catchy and fun to sing along to. Um, although sadly, that if you sit on his lap today, a kiss a toy is a price you'll pay. Is usually like cut when they play it on TV now for for I don't know pedophile reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, it's all the joy and excitement of Christmas, like packed in to one perfect little TV special. And I'm here for it. And I will be here again for it next Christmas. When you pointed out that Mrs. Claus started her career as a school teacher, I'm now envisioning Jill Biden as America's <laughs> Mrs. Claus. It's, it's basically that, yes. But it's very that. Um, this is also the one where Santa's like a young strapping ginger, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. I, I maybe had a little bit of a, a claymation <laughs> crush. Yeah, I mean, he's no Yukon Cornelius, but really. Oh, no, no, no. But, you know, Yukon Cornelius adjacent. Yes. Is that one is that one Burgermeister Meisterburger? It too? sure is, yeah. yeah. I hated that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will get to that, but first I want Bob to speak on He-Man and She-Ra, which was the crossover to end all crossovers for a young, promising gay in the 1980s. Take it away, Bob. I did not hate Santa Claus is Coming to Town. It just wasn't one of my favorites. So um, just say that out first. But um, yeah, well, obviously for He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special, of course, I'm going to pick He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special. That was what for me as as a child, outside of Christmas specials, He-Man and She-Ra were it for me. Like that was every, that was must-see TV, was making sure that I watched um he-Man, but this is a fun, fun um, episode of He-Man and She-Ra because you know, as we all know, that He-Man's mother is from Earth, and um, Orko somehow gets trapped on Earth in this in this special, and two Fucking Earth Orko. children, I know, two Earth children come back in in to Eternia um, with them, and really everybody's there. Their whole cast of characters, you you figure like just like on Simpsons, everybody's there. Um, you've got your you've got your Moss Man, your Ram Man, your you know, whoever is going to be there. Um, but they, um, they come to, they come to Eternia and they talk about and teach people what Christmas is. Of course, Adam's mother, Adam's mother knows, but, um, and they even are able to, um, you know, really touch the heart of, of Skeletor. And he actually has feelings by the end and, and does some good things and he doesn't understand why. And it's the, it's the spirit of Christmas that's able to change him. Um, and I, I, I found it funny cause I rewatched this, um, for this again, and I was I was stricken by the the comment that one of the children ma- makes that's everybody knows what Christmas is like you know everybody celebrates Christmas which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily true but mm-hmm. um, so for me like He Man and Shira that was that was first of all must see TV for me as well as this was just a lot of fun because all your characters from both shows are in one one place um, and it's just a, it's a cute little telling of of a Christmas story um, on another planet so. That's why. There you go. Um, talking about that, everybody knows what Christmas is. That is very mid 1980s white Eurocentric. Mm-hmm. Well, of course that is. I mean, we're going to do the best holiday pop song one later on this week. And believe me, there are very intense feelings about do they know it's Christmas? And <laughs> we will be discussing that. Um, yeah, so if you haven't children, listened to that episode, children look at Orko and they're like, what are you, stupid? You don't know what Christmas <laughs> is. Like, come on. You dumb bitch. I mean, um, yeah, well, Orko is stupid. But... He is stupid. <laughs> Out there with a the fucking scarf and he doesn't know what Christmas is. God, get it together. <laughs> Um, Derek, where are you coming down on this one? I am swayable on this because I really don't have strong feelings either way. I th- Here's the thing. If I pick Santa Claus is Coming to Town, which is the classic pick – 
that's two to two, and you're still going to move He-Man forward. So you know what? Not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. Okay. Well, I am sticking to the classic Santa Claus is coming to town. I I realize that there are quite a number of claymation films in these brackets, but this is one of the better ones, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, and I had initially voted for He-Man and She-Ra, and I, I'm looking at it now, and I think, Bob, for people who are our age, which mm-hmm. is old as dirt, um, <laughs> that this show means a lot to us, but mm-hmm. I don't think people who were like born after 1985 give a fuck about it, whereas yeah. I think people of all ages have much more affinity to Santa Claus is coming down. With that said, I think it is the, like a B level of the Rankin-Bass specials, mm. um, and I do think we are going to have a glut of those once we get to the Elite Eight, but I, in terms of like what should advance here, I, mm. I find myself, even though I was a diehard He-Man kid um, and loved she even though they did not air it, they did not air Shira on NBC where we grew up. Bob, do you remember this? I don't remember that. I remember seeing. I thought I remembered seeing Shira on. on Maybe television. they wouldn't let us watch it in our house. It's entirely possible. <laughs> but um, like the bottom line is, I I can't in good conscience advance He Man over Santa Claus's coming to town. So I guess I I guess I can see that because it's going to be so niche for people who are going to like the He Man and Shira versus a more broad appeal of the Santa Claus is coming to town. I suppose. Bingo. That's where I'm coming down. So we will advance Santa Claus. Uh, Three quarters of us embrace the resplendent fuckery of 1988's Christmas at Pee-wee's Playhouse to 1987's A Muppet Family Christmas. I will fire up the Conky 3000 to confirm that Pee-wee is indeed the word, while Michael will insert his forearm fully into the Muppets. Michael, why don't you go first? Okay. So (laughs) I'm probably going to be the wrong person (laughs) to defend Muppet Christmas special here. Um, And maybe I'll get some hate for this, whatever. I don't care. Uh, I just don't really care all that much for the Muppets. I totally can appreciate why people do love them. And I know some people are like totally head over heels obsessed. It's like just not my personal brand of humor, I guess. Um, That said, I think I speak for... A lot of people when I say that I absolutely cannot stand Pee-wee. To me, it's just (laughs) terribly obnoxious TV. And I I just don't want obnoxious and loud um, during the holidays. I want cozy. I want magic. I want sparkle. And I feel like Pee-wee's brand is also, to me, just permanently associated with um, public masturbation. And I'm going to be lewd here. That's not my kind of white Christmas. <laughs> so, like I said, I really can't be a good judge here. Um, all I can point out too is that Pee Wee's Christmas has a 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb rating scale versus 8.1 for Muppet Christmas. I know like 0.4 points doesn't seem like much, but as we've seen in 2020, point, <laughs> 0.4 difference can decide uh, who the next president is. So, I, I don't think that's a small thing. Um, I guess in conclusion, uh, a vote for Pee Wee is a vote for four more years of Trump. And, they, and you know, the thing is, this is a classic Michael Barber argument. You argue argue against the op- the opposing <laughs> just so that it's not picked. It's like, yeah, I'm up, I'm up at family Christmas. I guess it's nice. Let me poison this well. Um, no, I love it. I love it. I love that type of uh, good for you, Michael. That's the way to to debate. Um, Don't give away so, my secrets, Derek. <laughs> um. I have so many thoughts about that. So first of all, that is the type of white Christmas I'm looking for. Um, True. Secondly, I think we all, this is totally a digression, but like 
everyone owes like justice for Paul Rubens because mm. he's in a fucking porn theater jerking off and he gets arrested. What are you supposed to do in a porn theater? Mm-hmm. Who's in a porn theater who doesn't know what's going down there? Like, follow, right? Follow the raw deal. And I don't mean any. <laughs> right. He got a raw deal. Not the way that we talk about it now, right. but like that's bullshit. That is full. Mm-hmm. And, and how is this even that really that scandalous? I'm sorry. Like, that guy got fucked. And I feel like we as a nation need to really re-examine that. Yeah. Our I president will not... fucked a porn star with, exactly. with his mushroom penis. And... Exactly. <laughs> oh. Exactly. Oh. Let's re-litigate uh, Pee-wee, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was bound to happen. Um, I will not argue with Michael that Pee-wee is obnoxious. He is obnoxious. That is his brand of humor. But I will say to you that Pee-wee is by far the least interesting thing about the Pee-wee Christmas mm-hmm. special. Mm-hmm. Everything around Pee-wee is fucking incredible in that. And let me count the ways. Number one, Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello are being held prisoner, forced <laughs> to make Pee-wee's homemade Christmas cards, mm-hmm. which they show children how to make via potato stamp. Mm-hmm. It's educational, mm-hmm. and it involves white slavery. Two good things. <laughs> Number two, Grace Jones is delivered in a person-sized crate and performs a version of the Little Drummer Boy that will set your loins up blaze number three katie lang whoops it up in the most hideous denim snowflake applique dress i've ever seen and she delivers a manic jingle bell rock propelled solely by the force of her closeted lesbian energy number four charo stops by and selings feliz navidad and is also just generally charo and you have cameos by Whoopi goldberg joan rivers Cher, jaja gabor little richard among many others and Finally, and really the only point that matters, the fucking Del Rubio triplets. That is all. That's all you need. So I'm going to, so Michael, you're sticking with the Muppets. Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> uh, everybody else, are you with Pee Wee? You just, you just shot your whole load on Pee Wee. <laughs> I did. I did. I'm very passionate around. What else are you going to say? Because that, that was everything on my notes too. So I'm sticking I know. with it. And, and let me tell you why I'm sticking with Pee-wee's Playhouse Christmas Special. Because if RuPaul's Drag Race Snatch Game were a Christmas special, that this is what it would be. <laughs> it's exactly what it would be. It's hilarious. And he's so rude to all of the celebrities. It's incredible. So we will be advancing Christmas at Pee-wee's Playhouse. And with that, we are down to our Elfin 8. Set out some milk and cookies for the fat man. That would be me. And I prefer Rainbow Deluxe. And we will be right back after this quick break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back with round two of our best holiday TV special mini-sode. You loved the first part so much that we're cashing in for the obligatory, though decidedly less satisfying sequel, just to make our advertisers happy. So let's get right into the Elfin 8. The Star Wars holiday special is up against Frosty the Snowman, and I'm going to go around the horn first. Uh, Bob, where are you coming down here? I guess I'm going to have to take Frosty the Snowman on that one. It's, it's a little bit more 
classic traditional Christmas. Star Wars had a good run for me, but um, Frosty. Sure. And Michael, how about you? Yeah, 100% Frosty. Can you speak to me a little bit about Frosty? Yeah. So this, again, like to me, is is ultimate nostalgia animated Christmas classic. Um, it's it's one of the Christmas specials that we had as kids on VHS and not like legit owned on VHS. This is like one of the ones that my dad, I'm pretty sure, just like taped it from when it came on TV, like 80s commercials and all like Coca-Cola bears and dancing raisins. Um, and that's part of what is like the fond memory that I associate it with is all those commercials too. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, but it's just, uh, Frosty as a character is just delightful, lovable. Um, it's a little bit of a, like a, a tearjerker, but you know, happy Christmas ending. It's just like, yeah, the perfect classic Christmas animated movie. All right. Derek, how about you? I'm going to be perfectly honest. I have a very strong dislike of Frosty the Snowman. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I think it, you know what I think it is. I think it's in context with the other like Christmas um, animated specials of this era. I just find it is not. It's it doesn't give me what I want, and for that reason, my spite vote is going to be for the Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> Amazing! Did you have anything you wanted to add on the Star Wars holiday special? Oh, As so others have pointed out, I really shot my load on both Star Wars and Pee-wee, which you, seems very appropriate given the subject matter. But you know what? I, I there's not going to be enough bizarre moving forward in these brackets. So I re- like the reason why I'm going to stick to the Star Wars Christmas uh, Christmas uh, holiday special even though it didn't receive my vote in the first round only because of what it was up against is it's got these like old B lister, like ex vaudevillian type actors actually trying to create a, 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 um, a variety special out of the star Wars property. And it's just, it's, it's it's this class this this clash of like seventies. Oh my God, what the fuck were they thinking? That is just, it's, it's, chef's kiss it's just perfect it is it is absolutely perfect in its awfulness yes. um you didn't mention eric you did not mention jefferson starship in your <gasps> good point in, in your argument I and, and bob can attest i am a huge fan of jefferson starship and grace Slick. um that's that's not even a joke that's true um I'm coming down for Frosty here. So I believe that it is three to one. Uh, uh, so we will be taking the Star Wars special out to the Sarlacc pit. And uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. We're moving on to how the Grinch stole Christmas versus a Charlie Brown Christmas. I'm going to go around the horn first. Bob, where are you coming down here? Grinch against what? What would you say? Charlie Brown. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Grinch. I mean, it. it it's obviously one of the more as we love on this podcast the more iconic i think of the two um it's more of the the one that everybody waits for um in my opinion so that's where i'm going with that one michael he's a mean one mr grinch come on baby (laughs) yeah grinch duh uh derek you tended to go towards charlie brown here right 100 percent. yes do you have feelings against the grinch it's I, I I understand why like the Grinch is a nostalgia pick, but I feel like these are evenly nostalgia picks for people. And I, I'll be perfectly honest. I ju- like okay. I, I in in my household, I am living with friends, and um, there was a four year old who really loves this book, and I was forced to read it at bedtime last week, and it is a freaking terrible book to read. You stumble <laughs> over everything, which is classic Dr. Seuss. So just for that reason alone, I, I am voting for Charlie Brown. 
Amazing. Um, I am Team Grinch. And so the book aside, I love the art style of this particular animated one. I think it's so evocative. And to me, that's always going to be the way I look at the Grinch. Nothing against the Jim Carrey live action version. I know if you were a kid in the 90s, you are probably like, no, that's the Grinch and you need to shut your whore mouth. <laughs> but for me, that 60s, it's so well done. It's weird. It's very Susian. It's it, it sticks to that. Like it takes and translates the book really well, even though it's not a direct copy. Like there are very clear differences in the art styles. Um, I just think it's a, a brilliantly done animated short and i think the music in it is great that it's thorough ravenscroft right who does the Mm -hmm. the theme song like it's yeah exactly which like we have to get back to that um that mascot serial mascot one because again there's something very sexy about that tiger i don't even want to think about it uh i think there's absolutely nothing that you can criticize about the grinch i think it's a fantastic special so i think that's three to one on grinch right Yep, yep. I mm-hmm. so. Sorry, Derek. I feel yeah. bad here. <laughs> uh, next up, it's Mickey's Christmas Carol versus Santa Claus's Coming to Town. And Derek, where are you coming down on this one? Uh, definitely Mickey's Christmas Carol for all okay. the reasons I've listed before. And Bob? I'm definitely on Mickey's Christmas Carol as well. I, I think Derek argued very well for it in the first round. Um, some of the other things that I thought were really interesting about this is um, – Erwin Kostel did the did the music for it, which he did things like Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Pete's Dragon, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So the music is really great in Mickey's Christmas Carol as well. Um, we talk about music in a lot of these other specials, but you know, there's there's one song in there that that um, that has some lyrics that's really um, nice to sing along to. But just in general, the the music, um, I think you know, some of the art style for Mickey's Christmas Carol is also excellent. Um, some of the mats they have for the backgrounds are just really, really stunning and beautiful to look at. Um, and I think, you know, I, I really liked um, Derek's argument in the first round about how it makes that story very approachable for for children. And it's a lot of fun and it puts a lot of fun and pep into that story. And it's not drab by any stretch of the imagination. It doesn't take it into that Dickensian kind of woe is me-ish type of, um, type of tone. So those are the reasons I really love it. Um, not to mention the fact that I'm a huge Disney person. So that really working in its favor as well. This was really my top pick for, for most every single year. I would always wait. I would ask my parents, when's Mickey on which night is Mickey on? When is Mickey on uh, more so than Grinch even? So that's, that's where I am. Okay. Michael, you were going to go for Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah. And this one's a tougher one for me. Cause I honestly just love both of these movies. I would, you know, watch them every year. Um, I had to come down, uh, with Santa Claus because, uh, it's interesting. You were talking about, you know, the music in Mickey's Christmas Carol. I think the music in Santa Claus coming to town is actually better and more memorable and catchier. Um, and songs that like, you know, I just have ingrained as a part of me, the, the song, um, put one foot in front of the other and soon you'll be walking across the floor that he sings with little penguin. It's adorable. And, um, I, I personally speaks to me cause it's like my mom's favorite Christmas movie. And she would always like, you know, sing that to us as kids getting personal here, sing that to us as kids, whenever we were feeling like, you know, down on ourselves or something that was her like go to little, like pick me up kind of 
song that she would sing to us. So it just, you know, has a personal place in in my mind and uh, I, I just love it to pieces. I think all of these are, are personal. I think that kind of is one of the things we're, we're discussing as part of this, like these really imprint on us in a very yeah. personal way. And so that's, I think it's a completely legitimate argument. With that said, please don't hate me. Um, I am going to swing my vote to Mickey here. I, um, and the reason I'm going to do that is as I'm looking to the next one, I would rather not have two Rankin and Basses uh, up against each other. That's also, fair, because I yeah. think that's also like to me, looking to the future, there's a very clear winner in the next one. And I think by advancing Mickey, it becomes a little bit more of a of a horse race. Yeah, so, I'm totally okay with that. Great. So we're going to advance Mickey to the final four, and the final round two matchup is Pee Wee Playhouse Christmas Special versus Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. And I'm going to let Derek speak first about Der- uh, Rudolph, although you say you're not a huge fan. I find some of the 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 story and the tropes in it a little problematic. You know, the dad, the dad is clearly a bully. You know, Rudolph is clearly, you know, a burgeoning gay man. So I, I, that, that part, those parts of it, I find just particularly like irksome. Um, With that said, there are a lot of classic characters in this Yukon Cornelius, Herbie, the elf who wants to be a dentist, the trip to uh, the Island of misfit sex toy. I mean, uh, misfit toy. Um, It's just out of all of those like 60s, 70s classic, like short story Christmas specials, this one is the one that sticks out the most to me. Like, if it were up against like Frosty the Snowman, I'm clearly going to pick this one. It's just, it is, it's, it's, it's the better film. It's a really good claymation special as well. Um, I don't get me wrong. I love I love Pee Wee's Playhouse Christmas Special for all of the reasons Eric suggested. It is like high camp. Um, yes, Pee Wee is completely obnoxious, but like that was my childhood. Like just the the, the freaking weirdness of it. Um, but if you're putting the two of these up against each other, um, there's no way I can't pick Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Uh, Bob, do you want to speak for Pee Wee? Yeah, and I could totally see that what Derek is is saying there when you talk about. Um these specials, I think Rudolph certainly is the more broad approachable one for, for a mass audience versus Peewee's a little bit more niche. But to me, I think it it is just really interesting that this actually exists Peewee's Playhouse um, Christmas, Mm -hmm. because it just, it's shocking to me how extraordinarily gay they made this and just weren't even hiding the, like weren't even trying to hide the fact they went for it. Everybody in this went for it. Katie Lang is off of the rails in this yep. in this special, as you mentioned. I mean, right at the very end, as if it could not get any more gay, there is a room that he's building out of fruitcakes, because everybody gave him a fruitcake for Christmas, <laughs> and there are two half-naked men in this room building a fruitcake room. So, you know, it's just crazy. And the number of people that they had in this special, Oprah, I don't think you mentioned Oprah earlier, yeah, um, Little Richard... You know, the, the folks in Charo, the biggest of them all. But it just, to me, it shows at that time, really before his kind of, you know, his indiscretion, right? Like he was a big deal to be able to have people like Cher knocking on the, the playhouse door, right? Like that was kind of crazy to me to think this corny ass character had that much clout to get a special with that many people in it. So I think there's a lot to be said about that. It's absolutely true. I had completely forgotten about the beefcakes building the fruitcake. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you for reminding me about that. Um, with that said, I'm going to go around. Derek, were you coming down here? Pick me last, please. <laughs> Michael, were you coming down here? Yeah, you know what I'm going to say already. Rudolph, easy. Um, you know how strongly I advocated for Pee Wee in the first round. And it is, as an adult, one of my very favorite things. Because fun fact, we were not allowed to watch Pee Wee's Playhouse in my house. Mm. My mother would not allow it. She thought that it was, I, I don't even know what her thoughts were. But it was one of those things that was outlawed, could only watch it when I was at friend's house. So I never saw it until like, I don't know, early 2000s. So I was like, this is fucking lit. And I will watch it. <laughs> year ever since and i enjoy it more and i find new things that are funny every time i watch it but if i'm comparing it like rudolph was the special i had to watch every year as a kid and that stands today i also showed rudolph to my niece and nephew jesus i don't know probably about 10 years ago now and they were captivated like the scene where we got to the bumble in the ice cavern and they're knocking the icicles down and hitting him in the head. Literally, my nephew was like, can you rewind that again? I want to watch it again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you are my nephew. Um, but like it is multi-generational. It is to me, like I'm not going to deny any of the issues that Derek had with it where like, yeah, Rudolph's dad is a bully. Interesting, I never read Rudolph as, as gay. I heard me, obviously. Oh, but- obviously. Rudolph, I always just kind of, he was sensitive. Like he was, he was artistic, right? He was, he was always a bit, uh, he wasn't a macho. And I appreciated the fact that like, I obviously identified somewhat with that too, but, um, his, his dad's a dick, but I don't think you're supposed to like his dad. Like, I think you're supposed to be like, he's going to turn out. Okay. Even though his dad is a fucking asshole. Oh my God. I mean, just that one line, no son of mine's going to have a red nose. Like go fuck yourself. He's the worst. <laughs> Absolutely. It's common, right? Yes. Did yeah. did anyone else have a crush on the on the lion with wings who rules over the island? No, no, no just me. Oh my god! Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yukon Cornelius was where my, my uh, <laughs> and I do have a t shirt oh. that I wear now with Yukon Cornelius as a leather daddy and Hermie as his little sub. It's great. Um, shout out to Swish Embassy. You should be uh, advertising on our podcast. But um, so Michael, you're Team Rudolph. I'm Team Rudolph. Uh, Bob, where are you? What's the split right now? Everybody's Rudolph. No. Two for Rudolph, and Derek is an undecided voter. It's really tough for me, um, but I, I, I think we'll, I'll probably have to say Rudolph at the end of the day. Okay, Derek, where are you coming down on this? I, I, I will vote with the majority. That's fine. All right. I, it is weird to me that it took that much cajoling to get Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's Go ahead, incredible sorry. queerness. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the incredible queerness of the Pee Wee's Playhouse Christmas special, which if you are a young gay and you have not watched that yet, please find it. Because the fact that that exists from 1980, like seven is astonishing. As Bob said, what were you going to say, Bob? It was just, it's just shocking to me how gutted I am over that decision. Like what, what to pick over those two. Like I, I <laughs> yeah. don't know what to pick. They are so polar opposites in what they have to offer. Right. But at the end of the day, what's the one everyone's going to talk about, right? It's Rudolph. Nobody thinks, oh, I have to see Pee-wee. I, I do now, but certainly I wouldn't have. Like, It's true, but you know what? I feel like as an adult, I appreciate the camp of Pee-wee's Playhouse Christmas special so much more than I did when I was a child. In fact, I remember watching it as a child, but not even knowing who half the people were. Sure, because who? what kid knows who Oprah is? Right. Yeah. 
I have two other friends that I that I've been working on another podcast with, and we did Pee Wee's Big Adventure as our movie. And what like we decided throughout that, I'm like, this is a really good movie, <laughs> right? And like yeah. Pee Wee was pretty good. Like Pee Wee really knew what was going on. He was pretty good. So he was he absolutely was, and he had a recent comeback movie that's on I think Netflix. This is actually really entertaining. Like it's 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 solid. Uh, all right, so we are to our final four, which is Frosty the Snowman versus How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Mickey's Christmas Carol versus Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. I always take a step back now and look at the final four. Do I think it's correct? And I say, I think it's pretty dead on. I think the one that I'm surprised that didn't make it this far is Charlie Brown. And I think that's just because it was up against a Grinch, honestly. Yeah. Charlie Brown, yeah. the other like iconic one I think is missing. So first matchup, Frosty versus Grinch around the horn. Derek, where are you coming down? Grinch. Bob. Totally going to go with the Grinch. I think your your argument about the, like, the animation style, the art style, outclasses Frosty like any any day i think you know whoever was talking about frosty in the previous round too like i think the animation style of frosty is a little bit more scrappy a little bit more kind of like thrown together oh let's let's crank out a frosty the snowman animated feature versus i think there's some care to the the grinch as well as the story is a lot of fun it's great and people really ask for it every year so um i think it probably asked for both of them but the one that people always wonder is when's what night's the grinch going to be on so michael yeah, I'm going to have to also agree with the Grinch. I think it's got more depth to it. And and again, for me, the big selling point is just amazing, excellent, memorable music. Like it's the stuff that gets in your head and that you don't mind that it's there because it's just, you know, so familiar and nostalgic. Yeah, I will also give it a sweep to Grinch. I think Bob touched on something. Grinch has a lot of craft behind it, like art direction, music, all of it. Like that's not just you know, let's pump out a Christmas special because it's going to be popular, but it it is also like capital A art and um, it, it manages to be both high and low at the same time, which I'm, I'm always going to vote for. That's so that's Dr. Aud- Seuss was involved in making it. So. Oh, was he? No, Body control? God bless. Um, uh, he clearly was not involved in the live action cat in the hat. <laughs> well, well you just mentioned live action. That's another point to make about the Grinch is that there've been multiple live, a- no, I'm sorry, one live action, but multiple feature films for that character. Yeah, but I still think that the original is the one, at least in my opinion, and obviously it's going to be different for generations. It's still the one that stands out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so we're advancing Grinch to the final two. And for the final, final four, it's final, 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 final. Uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol versus Rudolph. And I want Michael to go first. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on this one. Uh, to me, it's just like Christmas perfection. The whole story, like... Uh, it just has everything you want. Again, for me, the music sells it. Like it's, it's just wonderful. Uh, Derek, I'm going with Mickey's, Mickey's Christmas Carol, actually. Um, and I understand why people want to advance Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer because it is a classic. But I, 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 I just, you know, if we're talking about just general animation style and what I feel more nostalgic about, it's definitely Mickey's Christmas Carol. Interesting, Bob. Where are you coming down here? I am actually going to stick with Mickey's Christmas Carol. Um, I think a Christmas Carol is a classic story. Um, You know, there's the song for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and they gave it this fun backstory, but I feel it was more driven from a commercial aspect of, you know, being able to, to crank this story out and versus I think there was a lot of, if you watch Mickey's Christmas Carol, I think you can tell that they put a lot of thought into how they cast it to Derek's point from earlier, you know, the, the music, the art direction, like a lot of the things we said about Grinch, I think were very, um, 
were very much applicable to this as well. Whereas you talk about the Rankin Bass series of Christmas specials, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the Santa Claus is Coming to Town, etc. All of those, like they were just a machine of cranking those out. There wasn't really, it's a Japanese animation style, that kind of stop motion um, with those kind of, those, those plastic or those um, wooden dolls, so to speak. Um, so, but I don't know as though that they, I don't know, they're made with as much intricate care as something like Mickey's Christmas Carol was created with. Wow. So yeah. I'm, I'm honestly floored by this one. And I think this is the point where the listeners of the podcast are going to say, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it happens from time to time. So I will do my best. I, I will uh, lay down on the, the floor because I should have watched Mickey's Christmas Carol going into it. I never saw it advancing to this point. I'm sorry that I didn't, but I blame the election taking five days. Um, <laughs> that said, uh, I have not seen Mickey, so I cannot speak to it. But I disagree that Rudolph was not done with care. I think it is a flawlessly executed style. I think stop motion animation is incredibly labor intensive we watched a mini documentary on the nightmare before christmas obviously not the same but like it takes them fucking years to make a feature-length movie using that style not that hand-drawn animation is quick by any stretch but um i i think it is brilliantly art directed i think it is iconically 1950s in terms of like the the uh the style of it but at the same time there is a timelessness to it um I don't actually have an issue with the backstory. I think it's weird and and like totally fifties in it's like zaniness, but I think it has like real emotional heft to it. Like there's like these characters are actually have arcs. Like there's things that they're battling with. There's inner demons, there's external bullies, there's all this stuff going on and it's really captivating. And it, ha- it was for me as a kid all the way up to now. It still is, is I think very captivating. Again, I cannot compare it to Mickey's Christmas Carol because I have not seen it, but I think we would be doing a huge, it, uh, let me put it this way. I think the, average age of our panel is skewing this results. I suspect that people who are older than 45 and younger than 35 probably do not have as much of a personal affinity for Mickey's Christmas Carol as our panelists do. But I think everybody recognizes Rudolph. All that said, that's kind of irrelevant because you guys are making personal picks and this is a personal topic. So um, that's my two cents on this. I'm sticking with Rudolph. Uh, Derek and Bob, are you sticking with Mickey? Yeah, yeah, I actually switched to Mickey because I originally was going to be like when we d- originally did these picks, I was picking Rudolph. But throughout the course of this debate today, like I was like, you know what? I have to stick with Mickey. Yeah. Okay. And five. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I just wanted to also add, I, I actually watched Mickey's Christmas Carol this morning. And I com- compared to these other movies like, to you know, Rudolph, the Red Nose Ranger, Santa Claus is coming to town. I was I think it's a little bit underwhelming. I don't think it's like it really rushes through the Dickens story and doesn't really establish and develop the characters in the same way that you get out of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I don't think the music comes anywhere near as close to what you get in Rudolph. There's nothing you can really like sing along to in the same way. It's certainly like the volume of of songs you get in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer that you get out of Mickey's Christmas Carol. Mickey's is like quick and done and Rudolph is like, you're in for it. You've got your milk and cookies. This is like what I looked forward to as a kid right before Christmas. How long is Ru- is Mickey? Excuse me. I, th- I think it's 40, under 30 minutes. minutes, 30 or 40 yeah. minutes, somewhere in there. Yeah. I watched it in the bathtub this morning. It was real quick. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely longer than Oddly enough. It's longer than what, Derek? It's definitely uh, longer than Rudolph. 
I don't really? I don't think really it is. I, I just someone, watched it. I literally just watched it. <laughs> we're going forward. I mean, here's the thing. As it stands, we're deadlocked. It's two to two. And with that, the next person in line for the tiebreaker is Bob. So, Bob, you're ultimately making the decision here. I hate I hate my life right now. <laughs> Biden, is, Biden is president, but I still hate my life. Um, God. You need to do what you think is right. I think Mickey is right. Yeah. Okay. And so be it. So uh, for those of you who are angry about Rudolph growing out right now, um, I hear you and I feel your pain. And um, the way to make this better is to donate to the Senate runoff in, in Georgia. That's happening in January. <laughs> Um, and that will fix this. So, okay. Uh, we have a final two of How the Grinch Stole Christmas versus Mickey's Christmas Carol. And I'm going to go around. I'm going to start with Derek. Oh, man. I did not see this final two coming. So, uh, mm, uh, I love Mickey's Christmas Carol. I I think I would be doing a disservice to the entire world of pop culture if I didn't pick the Grinch. So I'm going to pick the Grinch. Okay. Um, I'm going to go to Michael. Yeah. So first let me just say, I just looked it up and Mickey's Christmas Carol is only 26 minutes. So uh, Rudolph is 47. So um, I'm, I'm just going to go with the Grinch, not just out of spite, but because I actually do like it better. <laughs> um, I, I think it's like a better developed uh a Christmas movie and um, it's just one that everybody looks forward to every year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bob. Um, I am actually going to go with the Grinch. Cause I think that to the point of, I think it's of the two, the one that most and more look forward to. Um, I think from a lot of the arguments I made to get both of these to this point are kind of equal in that regard. So it's kind of from a, from a more of a, you know, pop popularity of who's going to, to watch it, which one are you going to pick over the other? I, I think most people are going to pick Grinch first um, over the Mickey's Christmas Carol. Okay. Um, when I, I was assuming that we would end up at the final two of Grinch versus Rudolph. And in that fight, I would have put Rudolph as the winner personally. I'm curious, Michael, would have you done that too? It would have been a really tough call for me because I absolutely love, love both movies. I think Rudolph would have eked it out for me as the winner. Yeah. And you guys would have stuck with Grinch, right? I would have stuck with Grinch. I think. Not, necess- not necessarily, no. Hmm. So there's a parallel universe out there where <laughs> Rudolph advanced and maybe Rudolph would win. But that said, between these two, I think Grinch is the, the clear winner. And I'm not mad about Grinch winning this. Like, I think no, Grinch is all, a yeah. totally good answer. Um, I, I would have been surprised had Mickey won, but again, I haven't seen it. Um, but at the same time, I think the arguments to God is here were, were excellent. So uh, there you have it, all you cool who's of Whoville. How the Grinch Stole Christmas is our pick for the best holiday TV special of all time. Do you agree with our decision? Do you think we've taken too many blows to the head like the Bumble? Drop a comment on this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com or add us to your personal naughty lists by dressing us down on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If there's a holiday special that you love again not holiday movies holiday tv specials please tell us about it we'll collect all the responses and update this article on our website 
with listener suggestions so that you'll have plenty to watch as we move on to the holiday season. Thank you to my panel who are gifts to me all year round. Thankfully, I have a receipt and I will be exchanging all of you for store credit. Thank you for listening (laughs) and I hope you have a fantastic holiday season. God knows we have earned it this year. And make sure to follow us on social media so you can be alerted when our best of 2020 pop culture episodes drop at the very end of the year. It's been a shit year, but there has been some great movies, music, and TV, and we cannot wait to discuss it all with you. So have a good night and happy holidays. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.